0: Today's scripture comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. During my senior year in college, on the weeks leading up not only to my graduation, but to being commissioned on active duty in the Army, I was plagued by this recurring nightmare. Somewhere in the middle of dreamland each night, I would be in this car And the car would be picking up speed down the road. And up ahead, there was this big wall. And the car would race towards that wall, seemingly about to crash. And then, at the very last minute, I would either wake up in a panic, or the car would turn. Avoiding destruction at the very last minute. Now, after having this dream several times, I decided to talk talk to some of the Army cadre on campus. I was trying to figure out this dream, trying to figure out if perhaps I should just stop driving, and so I brought it up in conversation. And one of my Army instructors said that while he wasn't a dream expert, it seems like maybe your life is picking up speed, and you'll have to leave some things behind. And there are some really big changes ahead. And maybe this is all just a little scary. Now, I'm pretty sure my 21 year old brain didn't think I was scared at the time. But in hindsight, it's clear that I was definitely anxious. I was anxious about all of the unknowns. For one, I was a Philly girl on her way to El Paso, Texas. I was driving a pink geostorm at the time, which is really neither here nor there, except for the fact that in Texas, on I-10, when you're driving west, there is a long strip of road between Dallas and El Paso, like days worth of driving. And the last thing I wanted to do was to stick out. And my little pink car packed with all of my belongings was not helping me out. Second, the Army in its infinite wisdom, decided to take my 4.0 finance degree earning self and thought, hey, maybe Patriot missiles and air defense artillery would be a good fit for this person. Spoiler alert, it wasn't. But mostly in the category of the unknowns, I was likely incredibly anxious about leaving behind known Patterns and strategies of success. Because I knew that up ahead I would be forced to navigate an entirely new reality. And there would be higher stakes and new rules. I was leaving college at the time on top of the world. The first in my working class family to go away to school. I was graduating at the very, very top of my class. And I had developed some success strategies but I really wasn't sure what to expect in the world outside of this environment. And if I'm being completely honest, I was probably anxious and nervous that I wasn't good enough and I wasn't going to be able to hack it. Hence, the recurring dream. But the car in my dream never caused a fatal crash And thank God there haven't been any fatal crashes in real life either. Sure, there's been some ditches, definitely a few flat tires, and maybe even a totaled car on the way to today. But I'm certain that that is the case for each and every one of you too. It's the case for all of us who have ever decided to step out of our comfort zone and to take risks big and small. And that feeling of picking up speed, of having to leave some things behind, and of navigating big changes is the reality for all of us today. We are emerging from a pandemic. And we are re-entering a world that is different than the one we left in March 2020. Now today is the second part of our mini-series called Rickety Bridges. And last week we discussed that Rickety Bridges it is... Kind of appropriate imagery for what we are finding ourselves on, what we are standing on as global citizens, as citizens of the kingdom of God, and as members and disciples of the church of Jesus Christ. We are wobbly and we recognize that this rickety bridge is taking us somewhere new and yet we can't yet make out the destination. Bigger societal changes always involve the whole of culture. History has a lot to teach us about this current time. Right now, we know that there are big changes underfoot. Businesses are being forced to adapt and relook at work arrangements. Heck, the government is even being forced to adapt. There is high turnover, high unemployment, and high job vacancy listings all at the same time. The Postal Service, which was once a landmark of reliability and stability in our country, has gone wonky on us too. The IRS has pushed back deadlines two years in a row. Our two-party system of government is being tested, perhaps to its breaking point. And many of our children and teachers and families have realized that it is possible to learn and to do school both inside the classroom And at home, there are even new currencies floating around and new ways of determining value. Our bridges are indeed rickety. Now, these bigger societal shifts have always, always, always also impacted the church. And I, for one, am hopeful and excited about where God is leading us as Ebenezer in this era. I believe Ebenezer's DNA and her missionary spirit, the same spirit that called Ebenezer to build a gym and a basketball court instead of a sanctuary first, when God called Ebenezer to plant on this current ground, that missionary spirit that said a basketball court and gym would naturally gather people when there was nothing else around us. I believe that that DNA and that spirit will provide for us key insights to how God might be calling and leading us today. It might be a source of encouragement and comfort as well. God has done big things through Ebenezer before. And I believe if we are faithful, God will continue to do big things with us as God's church. This bridge that we're standing on, it's still the church Our foundational beliefs and truths and principles as God's church, as God's people, they don't change. Our call and our purpose never change. But our methods and our strategies and our approaches to living out that calling, they will change. They are changing. Now, last week you heard from my friend Tim Beatty who shared how God had called him out of a local church setting to be and to do church at work, to develop a culture in his business setting that reflected his Christian principles and values, that created an ethos of loving God and loving neighbor. And in just a minute, we'll get back to how God is moving in new ways right here at Ebenezer. But for now, I want to consider how our passage for today, Matthew 28:16 to 20, is guiding us in this season to be both bold and simple. This passage is familiar to a lot of us. It's known as the Great Commission. It's the very last thing that Jesus says and does in the Gospel of Matthew. And Jesus' words here, they provide us with great clarity and comfort even when we find ourselves moving through uncertain and wobbly times, when we're wondering how to be faithful to Christ and the church, when the world around us is changing so rapidly. And so whenever we find ourselves on rickety bridges, I think that there are two, at least two essential truths and important things for us to always remember. They help guide us. And the first is that I believe we are called to keep it simple. Now, simple certainly doesn't mean easy, and I never want to confuse those two things. Simple just means that we need to be able to sort through all of the noise and the chaos and to be able to cling to what matters most to us as Christians and as the Church of Jesus Christ. And as followers of Christ, two of our foundational, unchanging, and focus-giving principles Are things that Jesus Himself commanded us. And the first is the Great Commandments that we are called to love God with our entire heart, mind, and soul, and that we are called to love our neighbor as ourselves. The Great Commandment. And the second is the Great Commission found in our passage today. We're called to go and make disciples. Keep it simple. When everything around us seems confusing, and we're unsure how to take that next right step, I believe we can and we should always bring it back to the basics. Jesus' great commandments and the great commission. These are quite literally the word of God. The church has a long history of attempting to complicate the things that Jesus has made simple for us. And again, simple does not mean easy. It just means clarity and focus. The Great Commission in our passage tells us to go. Go? Go and do what, Jesus? Jesus says, make disciples. Go, make disciples. Baptize them and teach them to obey everything I command you. Go, make disciples, baptize and teach. Teach them what, Jesus? To obey the great commandments, Jesus said. Because in the great commandment, love God with our entire heart, mind, and soul, and love neighbor as ourself. Jesus goes on to tell us that in the great commandments contains the entire, all of the law and the prophets. It's all summed up right there for us. And so when I reflect and I pray and I ask God to make this passage come alive for us today, What does this mean for us today, God? I can easily see why, as the church at least, we are on a rickety bridge. Jesus was clear in what he commanded. And yet, over the years, rather than going and making disciples and baptizing and teaching people to obey Jesus' great commandments, the church in the West has very often settled for a disciple making culture that is content to instead come and sit and listen and consume and forget until the next Sunday when the cycle is repeated. We've swapped out Jesus' great commandment and Jesus' great commission for something more comfortable. But it's only more comfortable. Until so it isn't. And we are in a discomforting season. And that, that's our fault. That is the fault of church leaders and institutions who have allowed for this to go on. We have created a system that allows you, a powerful disciple of Jesus Christ who has been given the gift of the Holy Spirit to go and to teach and to make disciples. We have created a system that has taken God's power given to you away. And we have taught you instead that Jesus wants you to come and sit and listen and consume and forget. And church leaders and institutions, we need to repent of that. Because our calling is not to teach you to come and sit. It's to equip you and to release you to go and to make disciples and to teach the commandments. Keeping it simple is not easy. And the second thing I think it's important for us to remember when we're standing on rickety bridges is that God may actually be calling us from time to time to rest and to hydrate and to eat when things seem overwhelming. You might say, what? Yes, God does call people to eat and take naps There is a beautiful passage in 1 Kings 19 where the prophet Elijah was overwhelmed and exhausted and traumatized. He was running for his life away from Ahab and Jezebel. And at one point, Elijah begs God to take his life. Elijah was at the end of himself and his strength. And God knew that. Just as God knows that some of us, perhaps even you, are at the end of yourself. You have adapted and changed and you've gone this way and that way over the past year. You've exerted more energy than you have and perhaps you haven't seen the results that you wish to see. Perhaps you've exerted more and more energy and have actually seen less results. And that. It's overwhelming and it's exhausting and it's depressing. But this passage, 1 Kings 19, gives us hope. In this passage, as Elijah is begging God to take his life, the angel of God literally shows up to Elijah as Elijah was sleeping and brings him breakfast and water. And Elijah wakes up to the angel. He eats the breakfast that was given, he hydrates, and then he goes back to sleep. And the angel appears to him again and just reminds him, Hey, Elijah, remember to eat. Remember to take care of yourself. Remember that you're human and I've created you to need to eat and to drink, to hydrate, to rest. Never underestimate the power of hydration and naps. So when things seem too much for us on this rickety bridge, keep it simple by returning to our foundational truths and principles found in Jesus' commandment and commission. And remember to eat, sleep, and hydrate. It's biblical wisdom, and it's also practical advice. Now, I have shared with you my excitement about being on this bridge. I'm a weird person. I enjoy change. I enjoy seasons where we don't exactly know where we're going, but I enjoy trusting that God is walking beside us because God's never going to leave us. And I love it. It's exciting. With every fiber of my being, I know that the spirit is moving and prompting change. And change always takes time and courage and resolve and simplicity and food and naps and a team of disciples who call, who sense God calling them in a new direction. I am no longer the associate pastor here at Ebenezer. I'm obviously still here at Ebenezer, but I am really excited that I've been appointed by the conference to stand up our second campus here at Ebenezer. And this second campus is not going to be a traditional church campus where the primary function is to come and gather here in the sanctuary. The second campus, our Nova Hub, will be a different kind of church altogether, one that exists entirely to equip and to release disciples like you to live out the Great Commission wherever you might be doing life, to stand up house churches or dinner churches or yoga churches or church at work or prayer networks or kickball in the community that also includes prayer This second campus will exist so that I can help equip you to do what God might be calling you to do. So I want to show you just some images about how God has been working here through the people called Ebenezer over the past year. Faithful disciples who have been out in the community standing up microchurches and fresh expressions, trying out new things, maybe being stretched by God, trying to bring discipleship into places perhaps where a discipleship wasn't part of in the past. And as we go through these pictures, you'll be able to see that this is both simple and bold. It's church, but it's not threatening. It's intergenerational. But most importantly, this kind of church is a vehicle that God is using to reach people who might never come inside this building. We have, we have a porch church that exists and they meet for church on Sunday mornings on various porches. They've gone camping. They've brought church out with them. God is with us always. Look how simple this looks, just sitting around, sharing Bible stories and passages. Churches that have come together to to run, to race, to encourage everybody to be healthy and fit in mind, body, and spirit. We have Fire Pit Church um, that has many families and children, and, and they're embedding discipleship into the generations. Parents are learning how to disciple their children, to pray together. Teenagers are learning how to lead young children Sharing meals together. Breaking bread. Multi-generational. Simple. Gathering in backyards. We love to gather in backyards. We love to barbecue. We love to hang out. Well, why not be church in that space? Because you might be able to invite a neighbor or a friend or a coworker to your house where they might never come into the sanctuary. Simple sign in front of the house. Hey, we'll be in our backyard at 9.40 a.m. Come back. Join us. Coffee, breakfast. A message, prayer. We can help you if you need help setting up technology. I can't help you, but James can. Kickball in the community. One of our fresh expressions. They decided that, hey, during the pandemic, we want to get outside. We want to exercise. Let's just invite people to play kickball. Upwards of 50 people gathering to play kickball. Moms and dads and kids. Well, this isn't church but this is an on-ramp into a church community if we are willing to incorporate discipleship into it. Gathering outside of the building, sharing meals, going to concerts together, children learning how to lead, learning that they are the disciples of today, not tomorrow. We have to teach that. They have to try it on. They have to try it out. That is how confidence is built in all areas to include discipleship. So on these rickety bridges, I pray that you are encouraged. I pray that you are energized by our foundational, unchanging, and clarity-given truths and our calling. And I pray that you remember to eat, to hydrate, and to take naps. May we today be empowered by the Holy Spirit and also comfort it by Jesus' words at the end of our scripture lesson for today. The end of the Great Commission. The very last thing Jesus says to his disciples is, And remember, I will be with you always to the end of the age. If you would like to be part of Jesus' movement among us, if you feel called to stand up a microchurch to be part of, of a microchurch or a fresh expression, a different way of doing church outside of these walls. If you have administrative skills and you would like to be part of our team by helping us to to get and to stay organized as we stand up this network, I would love, love, love to connect with you, to hear how God might be prompting and leading in your life and to help us to be Ebenezer in the community, in neighborhoods and in every place that God might call us. Our bridge is shaky, but our foundation is solid. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.